Calling us to the cross. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good place to be. Amen. We can't live this life in our own selves, but we have a God that's with us, helps us, forgives us of all of our sins. Anybody got any sins out there? Well, he forgot them all. He forgave them and forgot them all. That's what I like about God. Amen. Kind of washed his mind of it, said, okay, let's move on from here. Fresh start. I like that about God, don't you? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, let's pray as we get ready to hear this message called Never Lose Hope. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. We ask you to guide my heart and my mouth to speak your words, to touch your people, to give them hope. Even when things look hopeless, Father, you are there. So, Father, we, I ask you just to anoint my mouth to speak your words, to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray and all agreed said, Amen. Amen. Okay, the title of today's message is... Never lose hope. Now, what does it feel like when you lose hope? It's when you look at your situations and you think tomorrow's not going to be any different than today. It's when you lose hope when you think nothing's going to change. It's going to be this way forever and ever, and God's not going to move, and you're just stuck in your own ways. But it's when you think that God, nothing's working out for you. You ever feel that way sometimes? Like you pray, you pray, you wait, you wait, and God's not seemingly moving, and so you want to lose hope. But we can't lose hope. I know how you must feel. You might go from doctor to doctor trying to figure out what the problem is. They can't seem to find it, and you wind up being worse than you were when you first started, believing that things are not going to change. I know you're believing for a wayward child, one that's, you want to get off of addiction, and they get off of addiction for a while, then they go back. You start to lose hope. You, you think that you found the woman of your dreams, and you find out it's only a nightmare. <laughs> you, think, you think you met a dreamboat, and it winds up being a shipwreck. You know, you wonder, what's going on here? How long must I wait? How long must I put, you know, go through these things? So what is hope anyway? Hope is a constant expectation and assurance that something that you're believing for is going to happen. Because it's not God's will that you live a hopeless existence. It's not God's will that you hear bad news and think that's the way it's going to be. No, he has good news for us. It's not God's will that we look at a situation and say nothing's going to get better. That's being hopeless, right? But God is faithful. I'm here to tell you God is faithful. He never makes a promise that he's not going to fulfill. We need to understand that in every season of life, God is preparing to fulfill the promises that he gave to you. He's in the process of fulfilling them. You know, we want instantaneous everything, don't we? You know, why is the microwave taking so long? <laughs> we, have, we have a microwave where you can't see uh, the numbers. You know, you can't tell if it's a minute or two minutes. And so we put it on and it's just like, well, when is a minute going to be over? <laughs> but I want to tell you, God is always at work. He's never idle. God is not sitting on the sidelines of your life just watching life happen to you. He's never sitting on his hands and saying, oh, well... I'm sorry that you got yourself into that. I hope you work it out. No, he's never watching you fail and struggle and saying you really made a mess out of it this time. No, he's not that way. He's always at work in your life. He's always behind the scenes working things out for your good, even though you don't see it. He's always backstage fixing things. He's always on the peripheral, making sure things are lining up. He's always in the secret place arranging things. 
You don't know what's going to happen, but he is working together for your good. He's always working in the midnight hour. He's always putting his promises together for you. He's always at work fulfilling his promises. He's not, he doesn't make idle promises. He doesn't promise you something and say, oh, well, it didn't work out. No, he's always working. And our job is to never give up, never lose hope. Amen? Yeah, he, he, he will do what he promised that he would do. He, in his written word, whatever he said, he'll manifest it to us. So I want to encourage you today that he's working all things out together for your good. He's opening doors that no man can open. He's making a way out of no way. He'll heal your sicknesses and your disease. He promised it. He said it. And you can stand on that and believe that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen. He's not a God that he will lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Had he said it, will he not do it? If he's spoken it, will he surely not bring it to pass? And I can testify, sometimes when I'm believing for uh, sickness to go away, I got to stand, stand, and continue to stand, continue to believe, continue to confess his promises, and watching and waiting for him to fulfill them. And he will, praise God, he will walk through you through the valley of the shadow of death. So that you'll fear no evil. Now the devil, that wily devil, he'll, he'll try to convince you that while you're waiting that God has quit on you. You ever feel that way? He, he wants you to believe that God has walked away. That he's forgotten what he said. And he's forgotten what he's due. That what you've been praying for. And because you don't have an answer, he's not going to answer you. You've been waiting and God hasn't moved. And God's not going to, he says, God's not going to move. He's holding out. He's not going to deliver. He's not going to come through. The devil tries to creep in our minds and give us these thoughts. Did you know that? He's he's going to say that God has failed to do what he said he was going to do. But I want to tell you that in a season, God is working together for our good. What he said, he will surely bring it to pass. We have to be like uh, Abraham. And uh, we can look at that in Romans 4, 18. It says, Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. Well, what does that mean? That means when it looks like it's hopeless, it looks like it's not going to work out, you still hope. (laughs) I know a lot of times I go to bed and I go like, I don't know how you're going to work this out, Lord. Uh, I made a terrible mess, but I know your mercies are new every morning. I, I know your work, while I'm sleeping, you're working. And when I get up, I'm believing that, God, you change things and rearrange things to make it come out for my good. And I've seen it happen time and time again. Sometimes I go to bed early because I want to let God go to work. So when I wake up, I can see the results of my prayers. Praise God. And I've seen it happen so many times, and I just marvel. I I tell my wife that sometimes if she's fighting a a sickness. I said, let's go to bed real quick, and, 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 and let's forget about it. And the Bible says that while we're sleeping, God's working. Amen? Now, in the Bible, God continually tells us not to give up, not to lose hope. Look, let's look at Luke 18, verse 1. It says, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that men ought to always pray and not turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. Now, nobody wants to be called a coward, do you? You big coward. Remember when we were growing up? And you didn't want to fight or you didn't want to do it? Are you a coward? No, I'm not a coward. Well, God said, don't you be a coward. Don't give up. Don't faint. Don't lose heart. Keep believing. Praise God. In Hebrews 10.36, 
It says, For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, why did he say that you need patience? Because you don't get it all the time right away. I wish it was that way. You pray one time and boom, you got it. Sometimes it happens that way, and that's so glorious when it does. But sometimes you have to stand and wait. Why? Because God is arranging things. God is fixing things. Sometimes he has to work through people to make it happen. Praise God. So we're not accustomed to waiting. And, you know, we think that if we're waiting and nothing's happening, something's wrong. Well, maybe not. Maybe God is still working. He's going to make, he's going to make it come to pass. In, in Hebrews 6, 12, it says, We do not want you to become lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience will inherit the promises. So the old, old men of God, old women of God, they had to use patience just like we do. Nothing's new under the sun. If they had to do it, guess what? We have to do it. So we need hope. Now, the problem with believing is that there's a wait time between your praying and your receiving. And we don't like to wait. But the Bible says what? Wait on the Lord, I say wait. So we have to not lose our confidence. Now, we know that God is able to fulfill his promises. Can we agree on that? He's able. God is able, right? And we know he's willing, isn't he? He's willing to fulfill his promises. But the problem is, when? (laughs) How long must we wait? Well, while we're waiting, we're never supposed to lose heart. Don't give up. With the mind, uh, with the heart believes, and with the mind, uh, with the mouth confession is made. It's your heart. That, that's, this is where your believer is, is in, in your heart. Your mind may trip out and go like, I'm waiting a long time. You ever wait for a train, and you're wondering, where is it? That's why they have that little sign up there. It'll be there in eight minutes or nine minutes because you know you're going to get you know, frantic and worried and, I don't know, go downstairs, try to find out where the bus is, where the train is, and there it goes by, by you. <laughs> we don't have a sign like it's going to be a day or two days or three days. You just have to keep believing. Amen. Praise God. So the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart what? Grow sick. You hate waiting. It's, we, we don't like to wait. But we have to wait. Uh, I want to tell you a story about this guy, a homeless guy. He was homeless for five years, and he was outside of an outback sleeping. And a lady came by and said, oh, what are you doing here? He said, well, I don't have a place to stay, and, you know, this is the only place I could get covering. And she said, here, I'm going to go in and buy you a $100 gift certificate so you can eat here anytime you want. So he went in with her. And the owner of the, uh, or the manager of the Outback says, you don't need a gift card. Anytime you want to eat, you just come on in. So he did this for a couple of months. He came in two or three times a week. He had, he had given up. He, he said, I've been homeless for five years. Nothing's going to change. But sometimes when you least expect it, God comes through. So he went there for two or three months, and he would eat. And finally, the manager said, you know, we have an opening as for a busboy. Would you like to apply? He said, sure, I would. And so she gave him some money to go to a hotel to get cleaned up. She bought him a uniform. After he got approved. He came. He started working. His life changed. He didn't give up. He didn't lose hope. Praise God. Now, let's look at this in Bible days. And we have a story that I'm going to read. 
And Anthony's going to put the pictures in there. There's too much to put in words, but we're going to do a picture form for you. Are you ready? Are you ready for that? It's in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 32. Now that same day, two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were t- <laughs> seven miles, right? <laughs> they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came alongside and walked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And so he asked them, what are you two discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? They said, he said, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped. You notice that? Past tense. We had hoped that he was going to be the Messiah. That he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And what is more, It is the third day since all this has taken place, and some of the women amazed us because they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. Isn't that nice? (laughs) Jesus comes to you and says, How foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe. Would you like the Lord to say that to you? No. Why are you giving up? Why have you so slow of heart to believe? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Now, they had hoped. They had given up hope. They lost hope. And I'm going to show you three ways to not lose hope. Are you ready for this? Amen. Now, I'm sure the discussion when they were talking with with each other went like something like this. Man, can you believe this happened? No, I sure can't. Can you believe that uh, Pilate would crucify Jesus? That's a shame, man. That trifling Judas, he betrayed him. Uh, When I get a hold of him, I'm going to wring his neck. (laughs) Peter, he betrayed him. He gave up on him. He ran away. I thought he was in the cause, but he's not. What a coward he was. They're talking about everything that went down. And I'm sure Jesus said, I mean, they said to Jesus, Didn't you see it on internet? I mean, didn't you see it on Facebook, Instagram? It's all over town. (laughs) They crucified Jesus. And this is the saddest moment 
when someone says, a believer says, I just have no hope. We can't be that way. We have to regroup. Here's the three ways that we regroup. You ready? The first one is stay together with the believers. Don't separate. This, when, when your heart is discouraged, that's not the time to separate yourself from going to church. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. When you remove yourselves from the presence of the body of Christ, your hope will always die. When you decide you're not coming to church, you watch and you don't uh, fellowship with the believers, you're going to lose your hope. Now, the problem is they left Jerusalem. They're going to Emmaus, which is seven miles away from where the disciples are. Jesus told the disciples, wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to come. And they're, they're gone. The disciples are worshiping God and waiting for God to come. And they're not helping each other. When they're walking, uh, they're just reminiscing all the sadness. Well, you know, it seemed like he was going to do something, but he didn't. You know, when you hang around people that are not believers, they'll, they'll, they'll put a downer on you. Well, how long have you been believing in God for? Well, you know, a couple of months. Well, has anything happened? Uh, no, but I'm still believing. That, you, you can't give up. You know, when you take some medicine or something, what, what do they say? You've got to take it every day, sometimes three times a day, for how long? A month or two. And you call them up and they say, well, nothing's changed. Just keep taking it. You keep taking the word of God. It's medicine for your flesh. Praise God. So they didn't believe in the power of God that he could come back. They gave up. But you know what? God's in the, in the place of doing miracles. He, he does some great comebacks. Has he done some comebacks in your life? When you think, thought things weren't going to work out, all of a sudden he turns it around for your good. You say, Lord, I don't know how you did that. You arranged it just perfectly for me. Now, I know I've been to baseball games. Maybe you have been too. When it looks like your team is losing. And so you leave, you're disappointed, oh, you know, all hope is gone. And you go out into the parking lot, and as you're walking, you hear the roar from the crowd. Ah! And you go, oh, no, what did I miss? And you run to the car, you turn on the radio, and you find out, oh, man, they made the biggest comeback ever. Oh, they hit home runs. Oh, they made sparkling plays. It was the greatest comeback ever. And you go, I missed it. And that's what happens when you don't go to church, when you separate yourself. And, and I'm, I'm sure, I know how you guys feel. You know, you're believing God for something, and, and you're disappointed, and you come to church, and you hear everybody clapping their hands and praising God. Oh, he's so wonderful. He's so marvelous. He comes through for me, and you're saying, but he's not coming through for me. I don't want to hear that. Just be quiet, okay? No. <laughs> That's when they infect you and encourage you to keep on believing. Amen? Amen? Even though you don't want to hear it you got to know that God is on the throne, and he's still working things out for your good. Praise the Lord. You have to be in the environment where people can encourage you. So that's the first thing. Don't separate yourself from the believers. Praise God. The second thing is, study the scriptures for the promises of God. The Bible says what? To study to show yourselves approved unto God. What did Jesus do when he came? He said, you know what, boys? You need a little Bible study. Let, let's go. Let, I'm going to tell you all about the Bible in the Old Testament and tell you about Moses and all the way through and how it was revealing me. See, sometimes we have to rehearse what God has done, rehearse what God has said, and believe that he's going to do it again. Praise God. So he is the anchor of our souls. We have to remember, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We have to know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And what he said, he will do. 
We have to look into the mirror and tell ourselves, wait on the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Praise God. So the first thing is what? We have to uh, stay in the believers. Stay with the believers. Stay in church. Second thing is study your Bible to realize what God has promised. He always comes through. Amen. Don't lose hope. Don't, don't give up. Don't leave your place of believing. And the third thing is we have to remember is see Jesus in your life. They didn't know that Jesus was right with them, but he came there to give them encouragement to know, don't give up. Don't, don't lose hope. Why would he come to them? They were out of fellowship, but he said, I need to, I need to resurrect their hope. Sometimes he needs to come and resurrect your hope. I know I was talking to this one lady, and she's believing for a big miracle. But guess what? God's doing little miracles along the way to let her know that he's still working. He hasn't given up. He hasn't, you know, failed her. And, and that's what we have to do. You know, keep knowing that God is with us. He's in the boat with us. So uh, when he takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to the disciples, they said, ah. That's, I remember how Jesus did that when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes. He broke the bread and he dispersed it and he gave it out. That's Jesus. And their eyes were open. Sometimes our eyes have got to be opened and realize, oh, the Lord's with us. He's working in our lives. Praise God. You have to believe that, that he's going to do those things for us. Praise the Lord. So he's still a miracle working God. He's still with us. He hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't given up on us. We cannot give up on him. So in summary, what does it say here? The three things that we need to do. Stay together with the believers. Come to church. Be encouraged. Spend time with each other and, and, and edify and build each other up and encourage one another to keep on believing. Second thing is what? Study the Bible. Remember what God has said. He never fails in his promises. He never gives, he never says, I, I, I can't do it. <laughs> my, my, my arms are too short. They can't save you. And the third thing is what? See God in your life. See Jesus walking and working through you, even in the small things. And when you do that, it'll encourage you to believe him for the big things. Praise God. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have said in your word that you've given us promises that are not going to go unfulfilled, that you're the God that is more than enough, that you do things for us even as we continue to hope and believe in you. So Father, we just thank you that as we give you our hearts and our lives, we see you work in them, in, the, in our lives, to make things happen where we couldn't make them happen. So Father, I thank you that we have a, a God that we can call on, a God who loves us, a God who says that he will be there for us in whatever we do. So, Father, we just thank you for it in the name of Jesus. I want to extend an invitation for those that are watching. If you haven't accepted the Lord, now is a good time to do that. Anytime is a good time to accept the Lord. Receive him into your heart. Make him Lord of your life. So, Father, I thank you that as those that are listening can repeat after me, say, Father God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. He died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I accept him now. I accept your forgiveness of my sins, all of them washed away, and I come to you as a newborn babe, ready to see all that you have planned for me. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. If you've gone away and you said, you know, I just haven't been doing the things that I'm supposed to do, and I need you, Father, to come restore me. If that's you, just repeat after me. Say, Father, I thank you that I can come before you now and receive complete and total forgiveness to be restored and see your glory once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to take communion now. Ron and Pat are going to come up. And as we bless the bread and the water, bread and wine, <laughs> Jesus said, as oft as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. He made the supreme sacrifice, and in heaven, guess what? Those scars are still in his wrists, in his hands, because he doesn't want us to ever forget the sacrifice that he made for us, that we'll ever know, forever know that Jesus paid the price for our sins to give us redemption and give us complete and total access to the Father. Isn't that good news? Father, I just thank you that as we remember what Jesus has done, we thank you that the bread and the water, bread and the wine is symbolic of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you that these elements, as we receive them, are, are a remembrance of what you did for us. So we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ron and Pat are going to pass those out.